Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mahita Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Altergott, the Chief Experience Officer at the CX Edge. Um, we've done about 10 Mahita Talks so far throughout 2020, and I've been very excited about all my guests so far, but I cannot express how excited I am about our guest today. He's a legend in the material handling industry, Mr. George Prest, the CEO of MHI. Welcome, George. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. So we were chatting just a minute before we started recording this episode, and I know you're retiring at the end of this, uh, the end of 2020, and that this might be your last formal interview. So we are super, super lucky to have you, and we really appreciate you taking the time. Well, it's my honor. I, you know, I, I delayed the interview so you could have, have that <laughs> exclusive last one. So. <laughs> I certainly appreciate it, and I know Mahita does, and I know all of our, our listeners will as well. Um, so now that you're ending, you're, you're, you're getting close to the end of your career, at least with MHI, and I'm sure you'll still be involved in the industry in some capacity, but I'm always really interested into how people got started in this industry. So could you give me a little bit of a background just about how you got started in material handling and, and kind of your journey over the last few decades? Sure, I'd be happy to. I actually was born into it. <laughs> and there, uh, uh, there, is a, there is a story behind that. My father was a Korean War veteran. And uh, when he was in the war in Korea, he did two tours over there. One of his tours, he was put in charge of refrigeration and, uh, in essence, what turned out to be material handling. And he was introduced to forklift trucks. And so after he came back, uh, he started a forklift distributorship in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So I literally was, uh, I'm the first born in our family, uh, oldest of seven. And uh, uh, the, as the story goes in the family, on the way to the hospital, my dad had just purchased a uh, car dealership uh, on Lake Street in Minneapolis that had been, uh, they had moved to a new location, and he thought it'd be a great spot to put forklifts in a showroom. And uh, so on the way to the hospital, uh, my mother, it, my dad decides to shine the lights in the showroom on the way to the hospital to show my mom the new forklifts that came out. <laughs> She wasn't too pleased with that. Just was like, John, let's move on no. to the hospital. So I literally, uh, literally have been in in my whole life, and I uh, grew up in in that atmosphere, working in the shop and parts person and uh, mechanic and sweeping floors and doing all those things. And and I remember my first uh, presentation for a forklift was in, I believe it was fourth grade when you. Uh, do your presentation on what your father does. That's what they did back in those days. This, uh -huh. is, in, this is in the early 60s. And I remember he gave me a model of a forklift and I got in front of the room. I went to a small, very small school. There were two classes. So third and fourth grade were in the same room and I had to do a presentation on a forklift and the teacher had no idea what the forklift was. So I was... <laughs> That is a wild story. I mean, because, you know, we talk about, it, I'm sure you've heard 10 million times that, you know, nobody goes to high school thinking they're going to work in material handling because most people haven't heard of it. Um, and so that's an awesome story. It really runs through your blood, material handling. 
Yeah, it, it absolutely really has. And and I will be honest, when I went to college, I had no intention of getting into the, <laughs> the family business. But, uh, you know, as I matured, I realized there might be an opportunity. Wow, that's a great story. Now, did any of your siblings or any of your children get into the industry as well? Uh, one of my uh, one of my brothers was involved with it for you know several years, but he ended up not having the same passion for it. And then uh, uh, one of my sons, who's in the uh, IT industry, is on the fringe of it from an IT perspective, uh, <laughs> software perspective. Well, it takes all types in this industry, so that's great to hear. Thank you for sharing that story with us. That's a that's a great one. Um, if I could switch gears a little bit, as we all know, you know, 2020 has been a much different year than any of us thought it was going to be, you know, at the beginning of the year. Um, and I just saw that uh, MHI recently announced that Promat has decided to go virtual. I believe it was going to take place in April in Chicago, 2021. Um, can you just tell us a little bit more about how you guys came to that decision? I'm sure it was a difficult one to make. Sure, I'd be I'd be happy to. Um, I'll I'll start it out with uh, this year at Modex. As many people are aware, we, we had the Modex show in March, March 9th through 12th, and uh, we were uh, Con Expo and Modex were the last two major uh, shows to happen in 2019. And the week prior to when we were setting up Modex, uh, it was, um, you know, things were starting to get crazy with regard to the virus. We were meeting with the with the uh, city of Atlanta and the um, governor's office and uh, the CDC. And ultimately at that time, there was only one case in Atlanta. So we've after a lot of uh, painstaking, you know, research and thought and everything, we decided to go ahead with the show. And uh, as we all know, by Thursday, you know, the world was changing dramatically right in front of us. So, uh, and we did end up having the show. It was a successful show in the sense that uh, we only had two reported cases of COVID and no spread. And, uh, but it was impacted in terms of the uh, number of people that were at the show is about half or less of what we would have normally had. So as we move forward this year, obviously things have been crazy and we knew that we needed to make a decision on Promat 21. And it just became obvious uh, as we got into November that all the signals were not good and it was just the right decision to make. So we started pivoting actually in October. Uh, we initially thought we'd uh, we basically budgeted for both scenarios. And uh, but by December 4th, when we had our board meeting, uh, we made a recommendation to the board that we should pull the plug on on Promat 21, the live event, and we presented a digital option to the board, which they approved. And so it just uh, with the conditions that are out there and everything that's going on, it was just absolutely the right decision to make and a very tough decision. It's the first time in the history of uh, Promat that it's ever been canceled, but there's been a lot of that going on this year. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's interesting how you look back to Modex happening in March. It was such a weird time because I think, it, you know, that that's when the panic started to spread a little bit, but 
people weren't really sure what it was. They weren't really sure what's safe, what's not safe. You know, I think if Modex had been scheduled to be a few weeks later um, than it was, it probably wouldn't have happened. Oh, it, um, absolutely, it absolutely wouldn't have happened. In fact, by that Thursday, the 12th, if it was the following week, we would have canceled it on that Thursday yeah. prior. You know, let's say it was a week later. It literally was that. It just exploded so quickly. And it was, um, I can tell you that it, it was just a sleepless eight or nine days just trying yeah, to I, figure out I, what the right thing to do was. I can't imagine because, I mean, obviously, public health and safety is always the first priority. <clears throat> But, you know, I think everybody was cautious to not overreact to um, just because there are so many unknowns. And I can't even, could you have even imagined at the time that Modex is going on that there was even a thought that Promat wouldn't happen live? No. I mean, we, we, what we thought, we thought by June everything was going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and then it became July and then it became, and uh, it's just, uh, and of course, with uh, with what's been going on with the numbers now and everything, it just a absolutely uh, is the right decision. The good news is there's a vaccine out now, and our industry is right at the heart of uh, making mm -hmm. sure that all of that gets to where it needs to get to. So uh, <clears throat> proud of our industry and how we have been a part of the solution. Yeah, and I, I, it's such a great point from everything, not just the vaccine, but um, getting food to people, getting supplies to people, uh, material handling has gotten a lot more visibility in a much positive light this year. Um, yeah, I saw on the news when they were delivering the vaccine, I think a few days ago, you know, people are waiting for that FedEx truck to come. You know, you've never really seen that before about people like waiting for that delivery, physically waiting in a parking lot for right. that delivery to come. So that's awesome. So you had mentioned a, a little bit when you talked to the board and you made the decision to go virtual with Promat. Um, and this year, I believe we're calling it Promat XD. DX. Oh, DX, I apologize. Yeah. Would you be able to give us a little bit more information about what that looks like to both people who would attend as well as to suppliers who would typically have a, a booth? Right. So we're, we're in the process right now of our exhibition team has been working with all the exhibitors. The, the ProMat show uh, for 21 was going to be an absolute record show. Uh, over 500,000 square feet of exhibition in the, in the North and South Hall. So it was going to be an incredible show. So what we did is um, we have shifted, and we're referring to it as a digital show, not a virtual show. And uh, there is a difference um, in the sense that it is going to be a digital platform, and uh, we're not going to try and do, you know, have you know, virtual reality type things. Mm. Um, we're investing a significant amount of money in the platform. And it, it really is in alignment with an initiative that we started uh, two years ago at Promat 19, which we called uh, Promat 365. 
And the idea behind that was, is that we wanted uh, to have the show be alive for that whole year. And by doing that, after the show, the live show ended, we wanted to have a platform where people that couldn't go to the show and couldn't get there to the live show could experience the, all the educational things and, and also experience some of the exhibitions on a basis throughout the year. So we were already kind of going down that path and this just accelerated what we were intending to do. So we have invested a significant amount of money in developing a platform that will be used going forward. Even when we go back to the live show in 2022, this platform will be used throughout the year promoting all the aspects of that show for that year. It's got some really uh, significant uh, features to it. For example, there's artificial intelligence that is used for matchmaking for both the exhibitors and for attendees that want to go to it. Literally can make appointments with exhibitors and uh, have a lead program that's tied to that AI. So it's a really very sophisticated platform. Um, there'll be over 500 sponsors. We're referring to them as sponsors uh, not exhibitors, uh, because it, again, it's not an exhibition, but there'll be over 500 sponsors within within that, and I'm not sure what the numbers of educational programs are going to be yet, but it's going to be a state-of-the-art platform, and we're, we're very conscious that people are uh, digital-weary, so... We're trying to, again, develop this platform so that it can be in addition to the live show going forward. It's just this year due to circumstances, we can't do the live show. So we're gonna really put all of our emphasis in building this platform and introducing people to that concept. Wow, I mean, that sounds very cool. I, I can't wait to check it out. Now, if you were somebody that would have attended ProMat or interested um, and seeing the information on Promet DX, do we just go to the website and register? Yes. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. You can. You can actually. I think if you just put in Promet 21 right now, the DX will come up, and it's a very uh, intuitive site, so that it's easy. That's part of. That's part of the thing that we wanted to do is that, is to make it very um, user friendly and intuitive with regard to w what it is people are looking for when they go in there. And the, the whole AI thing that's behind it will, each time that you come to the site, it will monitor in a sense um, where you go and it will see what your interests are and will help direct you to other things that may be, be of value with regard to whatever the subject is that you've been researching. Very cool, very cool. You know, you had mentioned you'd been working on this platform for some time before really the pandemic. And, and I love the concept because it allows a, a trade show to really live, you know, for a year as opposed to four days. Do you think that the current pandemic that we're in, and we know there's vaccine and we know that life will get back to normal, but do you think the world of doing trade shows and hosting these types of events has been forever changed by what we're going through today? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's been changed uh, in a good way because I think 
these, for example, these tools that we're going to be adding to our show are are going to make the the shows even more dynamic uh, going forward. I I fully believe that the live trade shows will not go away. The demise of the trade show is way premature, in my opinion. Um, and we actually have evidence to that in that we just had our space draw for Modex 22 uh, about three or four weeks ago, and we had a record space draw. We sold 83% of an enlarged footprint over 2020. So there's a there's a pent up demand there. People want to see things, touch things. People love that networking, the eyeball, the eyeball uh, and that camaraderie, and all those things that come with people being together. And I think it's just going to explode once we get back to where it's safe to do that again. Trade shows have and people getting together have been going back since basically the beginning of time. So. Mm -hmm. I, 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 again, I think the industry is going to be is going to be stronger because of the value add that all of us are doing to make the shows even more valuable throughout the year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think as we start to get out of this, I think people, to your point, will realize how much they need to be around other people and realize more of the need to touch things and to do those sorts of activities that we've really not been able to do over the last year. So I think it, it's given in a way a rejuvenation to some of those things. So I think, you know, as somebody just myself who's attended a lot of trade shows, does a lot of traveling, it does burn you out after some time of doing it over and over again. But I think kind of this year break has everybody definitely has the desire <laughs> um, right. to get back together for sure. Well, just, you know, just one more point on that. If you just think about our personal lives and, you know, not, and not being able to be around, you know, do the things that you'd normally do with your friends and family and all that, it's the same thing. People get energy from other people and mm -hmm. being around other people. And it's, people are healthier when they're around other people normally <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know and i think maybe this 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 time has given people time to get rid of maybe some of those toxic relationships where they weren't so healthy being around yeah. um, and made them appreciate the people that they they miss the most and, and enjoy being around it does add so much to everybody's life and i think it adds a lot to creativity and innovation as well just feeding off the energy of that so I think well there's no there's no question about that i i also think this isn't not necessarily a popular opinion but i think the the work from home thing, pendulum is, is swung. And I think there's a lot of people that think it's, uh, you know, that's going to be the wave of the future and everything. I, I, my personal opinion is that two years from now, the pendulum will swing back the other way because you're going to lose that, the culture that is so important to every, every company and just not having those conversations that, just happen to happen in the in your lunchroom or wherever it may be, and those ideas that are generated by people being together, uh, the innovation, like you said, and the collaboration. It's just so um, hard to keep that when everybody is remote. Yeah, 
I can't, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I've had this discussion a, a number of times with different people. And you're right, there's a varying schools of thought that it can go, um, you know, that it's everybody's going to move to work from home and we're not going to need these big corporate buildings anymore. Um, to people saying, no, we're going to go back to the way it was. I think there will be some middle ground somewhere. I think businesses will realize that they can maybe be a little bit more flexible and understanding of different individuals' personal obligations and lifestyle and flexibility with work. But I, I couldn't agree more that I think being together makes such a difference. And I know for me, you know, I came up through Mahita and being a part of Mahita for the last 20 years. And I had somebody that really brought me into Mahita, but I wouldn't have those relationships that I've developed within Mahita if I didn't go physically go to events, you know, and have a glass of wine or a martini or, you know, or, or something with a group of people, then we got to know each other. And although I've had some great conversations online, usually you focus on a specific topic and you kind of move on. And I think that chance for real creativity, real connection, real relationships is certainly missing, even with the best companies doing it digital. Right. And I, I agree with you 100% on the flexibility thing. There's no question about that. And that that's just good practice in terms of uh, your culture as well, because people... People, you know, it's a different world, and I'm not one that believes that people should be locked up and it should be like jail, so to speak. But, but I just think that interaction is really critical for the culture of the company and the growth of the company and the innovation and collaboration. I totally agree. So, uh, you know, I wanted to be able to take some of this time to take advantage of just your experience, especially being a leader in this industry. And we have a lot of listeners that are either new to the industry or kind of at that midpoint in their career. So I was wondering if you could share some of your um, leadership advice with us. And I'd like to start with how would you describe your leadership style? Collaborative. That's the word I would use. I'm pretty good at vision and uh, having the ability to see kind of where things are going and, and have a vision on what the art of possible is, but I am really bad at execution. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I learned a long time ago that I needed to surround myself with good people. The best example is is when I started uh, Pressed Rack, uh, which was a rack manufacturing company, which many of your listeners may or may not have have heard of, but for 30 years ran that. And I, I knew nothing about manufacturing when I started it. I knew nothing about buying steel. I knew nothing about, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> and, but I was blessed with the ability to, and part of that came from mentoring from my father and grandfather on how to uh, work with people, how to treat people, to respect people, and to surround yourself with good people and let them do what they're good at. And so that has always been my, uh, you know, my guiding light, so to speak. And uh, it's worked well for me all, all the way through my career. I've been very blessed. Uh, you know, uh, they just had a thing for me last week and they talked about all these accomplishments um, that have happened over the last 10 years at MHI. And my, uh, 
and quite frankly, those accomplishments are, those are a reflection of this whole team. I just happened to be the conductor, was blessed with the opportunity to be the conductor. All of those things are a reflection of them and their skill sets, because it wouldn't have happened without them. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's my leadership style. And I, I love that you talked about vision. And I think, you know, it's important in every industry, but this industry has changed so drastically, you know, even over the last 20 years or so. And vision is such an important component that we can keep growing and moving at the rate that we've been able to. You know, one of the things I find, I think there's great visionaries. And then I love your point about, but you're not the one executing and surrounding yourself with people that can execute it. But I think sometimes the challenge, especially in an industry as diverse as this one is, um, and leading up a company like MHI that is responsible to a certain sense of all these different types of companies, that I would have to imagine you've dealt with some level of conflict um, in, in some of your vision as you've gone through your career. How do you get others to embrace your ideas and your vision? Well, yeah, <laughs> change is difficult. The main thing is that you have to be clear about your vision. And you also have to realize, in my opinion, that it's never a straight line there. It's a circuitous route. But if you maintain the vision, and the vision is a good vision, you will get there. Just as an example, when I uh, I accepted the role here at MHI, the reason they hired me was because of my stri strategic process and vision and stuff, and they wanted they wanted change at MHI. So that's what I was hired to do. And the first year, we put together uh, the first business plan that had ever been done for the hmm. association, and we put together a vision, and we called it. It sounds corny, but in uh, January 2011, we labeled it Vision 2020. And the idea mm -hmm. was, it was it was 2020 vision. And also my last year was going to be 2020. <laughs> so oh, wow. <laughs> that, that was the plan. And so we embarked on that process. And there were some painful times as you go through that. That's just part of the process. But if you are, again, if you're clear about the vision and you've got people that are in on the vision and can see the value of the vision, they will work their tails off to help get you there. Mm -hmm. And some people fall by the wayside and they don't get it and they don't see it. I mean, and that's where part of the pain comes in because not everybody gets it, so to speak. And I experienced the same thing when I was building my company. That's all part of the process. Great. And then how do you say you measure success for you as a leader? What does that look like? That's a really good question. I measure success by the success of the team. I, I can't be any more sincere about that. Um, again, what we have accomplished here are not my successes. They're our successes. And I am really proud of the team. The team that's here... Uh, when I started here 10 years ago, there were 29 people, and uh, of that uh, 29 people, there's still five here that were here then, uh, but we've got 40 people now. This is an incredible team. 
that we we have put together and i am i'm very proud of them that's how i measure success and it goes to that culture there's all kinds of aspects to it that are really important for it to be successful and and we've got that one of my concerns over the last nine months is the fact that everybody has been working remotely and we've still got all the same people, but as people fall off and people change in the company and you bring in new people and then they never get to experience that. You bring up a very real point that a lot of people are are facing today and how do you get back to that environment after this is all over? I think that's a good point to be made. So uh, we've come to the end of the regular questions and I'm not sure if you've listened to Mahita talks in the past, but at the end, we'd like to spend a little bit of time getting to know you a little bit better. So you have made it to our lightning round today. So <laughs> I'm gonna ask you 10 questions and it's supposed to be the first answer that pops in into your head. I tried to keep these as appropriate as possible, so I think you'll be okay. Um, I, <laughs> I always like to start with an easy one. So are, are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready for the lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you've traveled all over the world, but what would you say is your most favorite place to travel? United States. Well, you say travel. Usually people ask me, what's your favorite country? My favorite country is the United States. In terms of favorite place to travel, uh, I'll just name off three that uh, that are in different parts of the world. Italy, Argentina, Tokyo. Wow, very cool. What do you miss most from quote-unquote normal times or pre-pandemic times? The relationships. Have you been able to do Zoom calls with people and still see them in some capacity? Yeah, we're doing Zoom calls, but it's it's just not the same. And the other thing I'd say is that the thing I missed was being able to, uh, I typically did 15 to 16 international trips a year. And I got a lot of people, professional friends throughout the world that uh, I didn't get to say goodbye to. So that that was big too. Well, hopefully in your retirement, when things get back to normal, you'll be able to visit some of those places and see some of those people again. Absolutely. Um, Do you prefer cake or pie? Cake. Can you name one of the seven dwarfs from Cinderella? Goofy. (laughs) Is that a seven dwarf? I don't know. I think you might have just made that up. Oh, wait. That's... that's, uh, (laughs) Sleepy. (laughs) I think that is one. Would you prefer, if given the opportunity to watch Godfather or Star Wars, which would you choose? Godfather. If you were given the opportunity to fly into space, given today's technology, would you take it? Yes. When was the last time you stayed up to four in the morning? About two weeks ago when my kids were in town for the holidays. <laughs> wow. That's, you guys are yeah. like the crazy yeah, with the was- things. Yeah, it was during Thanksgiving. Uh, three of our kids were able to come in. The other two couldn't because of the COVID stuff. But we uh, we sat up and talked till four in the morning. I, I can't even remember the last time I did that. Wow. What is the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Brush my teeth. What is your dream car? Porsche 911 Turbo. And what is one item you could never live without? Bumps. I get computer. (laughs) 
That's a tricky one because everybody wants to say friends, family, all those things. But I, yeah, right. That's why I was gonna I was gonna say my wife, but <laughs> she's yeah. not an item. Which well, would have been an appropriate but... answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, George, sadly, this brings us to the end of the interview. I had so much fun today, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this for us. It's been absolutely my pleasure, and I thank you very much. And I, uh, I also want to just say, if I may, throw a thing in that my dad was one of the original Mahita members, and uh, I, I grew up in Mahita as well. That was part of my experience, and I have the greatest respect for Liz and the whole team at Mahita. And uh, I congratulate you and all of you on the on the Mahita team for the job that you do to elevate our industry. Well, thank you so much. And I don't want to speak for Liz and the rest of the Mahita team, but I know we all wish you the best of luck and you will surely be missed. But I have a feeling we'll be seeing you around at some events in the future when we get back to normal times. I'll be around for sure. <laughs> all right, George. Well, thank you again. I hope you have a great day. Thank you and have a wonderful holiday.